The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Chad Young. Hello and welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. As the man said, I'm Chad Young. You can find me on Twitter at Chad Young. It is not often that our biggest news of the day is a rehab assignment that hasn't even started yet, but Fernando Tatis Jr. is big news. He'll begin a rehab assignment either today or Sunday with Double A San Antonio. Tatis hasn't played a game yet this year, so he is still, to some extent, starting spring training. He can spend up to 20 days on rehab, though the Padres have not offered much clarity on whether he will need most of that, all of that, none of that. We'll have to see. The safe bet is he needs some time, probably a decent chunk of it, but hard to know. He is expected to play both shortstop and center field in the minors. Good indication that he's going to play both when he comes back up as well. Yesterday mentioned that Clayton Kershaw had to leave the Dodgers game early. Today, no surprise, he was placed in the 15-day IL. Unfortunately, beyond that, we don't really know much. Low back pain can be nothing or it can be serious. The team has provided no new information. You have to assume, though, that the Dodgers will be pretty cautious with him. They're already up 12 and a half in the division. No real reason to rush the All-Star Game starter back to the rotation. I would assume he'll be out a little while as their focus will be getting him ready for October. They recalled Reyes Maranta from the minors to replace Kershaw, but will need someone to start in his rotation spot, though maybe Dustin May will be ready for that. The Dodgers did get back Chris Taylor on Friday, sending James Outman to AAA. Taylor jumped right back into things, going one for four with a double, a run, two RBIs, and a stolen base. He played second and hit fifth. Expect him to continue to have a major role playing multiple positions. Stephen Kwan followed the ball off his foot and was pulled from the Guardians game for what the team is calling precautionary reasons. Kwan was 0 for 2 at the time, which ended his 18-game hit streak. With Cleveland carrying a number of young outfielders at the moment, Oscar Gonzalez, Nolan Jones, Will Benson, their regular center fielders, Miles Straw, I suspect they'll let Quan take his time if needed. Anthony Rizzo scratched from the Yankees lineup with back issues. He's missed some time with back issues this year already. Don't be surprised if this keeps him out another game or two, though we should know more before setting weekly lineups on Monday. Rangers got Brad Miller back from the IL. He was back in the lineup hitting ninth as the DH. Not usually the best place to have your DH hit. He went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. Miller's been a solid offensive producer for a few years with fantasy relevance because he plays so many positions, but this year's been kind of a disaster. His usually reliable walk rate is cratered, his power is dried up. 
The Rangers made room for Miller by optioning Nick Solak to the minors. Solak has not managed to have his minor league success translate to the majors and is likely running out of chances. Francisco Mejia back from the IL as well. Like Miller, having a rough year after showing so much promise in 2021. Unlike Miller, however, he's a catcher, and catcher production is hard to come by. Hard enough that Mejia may yet have value this year. He's worth watching because if he can find a bit more power, he can be useful. Mejia was 0 for 3 on Friday, but with two walks, he hit 7th for the Rays. The Rays made room for him by optioning Rene Pinto, leaving Mejia and Christian Betancourt as the only catchers on the active roster. Yoshi Tetsugo cleared waivers and was released by the Pirates. He had seemed to find himself late last year when he arrived in Pittsburgh, but it didn't carry over, and you have to wonder if he's going to move on from MLB at some point. The Twins designated Tyler Duffy for assignment, which is a bit surprising given the pen issues they've had. But Duffy struggled this year to the tune of a 4.91 ERA. However, a big chunk of that is a high home run per fly ball rate well above his career norms. He also just completed a run from June 17th through July 23rd where he went 15.2 scoreless innings. But the homer issues came back over the last week and the Twins are apparently done. I suspect he'll get another pen shot soon. And I think he can be an effective piece in a bullpen. Duffy was replaced by Cole Sands, who had been pretty bad in AAA and MLB this year. The Twins came away with a win on Friday, but not before their new closer, Jorge Lopez, gave up a run on three hits to blow a save. Not a great sign. As expected, the Marlins got Edward Cabrera back from the IL, gave him the start against the Cubs Friday. Lasted only five innings as he was cut off at 78 pitches. But he went five no-hit shutout innings, allowing three walks, striking out eight. His velocity was down about half a tick on his four-seamer, maybe just part of working his way back, but he was brilliant anyway. In those 78 pitches, he induced 34 swings and got whiffs on half of them. His crazy 93-mile-per-hour changeup was the only pitch under a 39% CSW and under 50% whiffs. He looked special. The Marlins also, as expected, called the outfield prospect Peyton Burdick. Talked a bit about him yesterday. Today, let you know he started in left field on Friday night, hit seventh, was 0 for 3 with three strikeouts and a walk. Not the most impressive debut, but it's just one game. Tigers also called up a starting pitcher to get the start. He also had a brief zero run appearance. Brian Garcia, four innings, zero runs on one hit, allowed six walks to the Rays in the process. How the Rays let him off the hook, I have no idea. Not nearly as excited about him as I am about Cabrera for lots of reasons. Another AL Central call-up for a start did not go quite as well. Hunter Gaddis made his Major League debut, and honestly, making a guy debut against Houston is just not cool. The Astros got to Gaddis for eight runs on seven hits and two walks in three and a third. He did strike out two. I guess that's something. Most of the damage was done by Trey Mancini, who was two for five with a pair of home runs off Gaddis, including a grand slam. Just got to hope that Gaddis gets a better matchup and is able to bounce back next time. In the other half of the state of Ohio, well, technically in the state of Wisconsin for this one, but whatever, the Reds called up Robert Duggar for a start. He got beat up two, giving up five runs on four hits and four walks in four innings pitched. He struck out two. Duggar joined the roster as Hunter Green was placed on the I.L., Green has a strain in his throwing shoulder, which does not seem great. Given his health, the team's season, where we are in the calendar year, shutting him down doesn't seem totally crazy. It's a shame because while Green hasn't been great and he's been super homer prone, he's also been very fun to watch pitch. I'm sure many of you, like me, were hoping that Denelson Lamette would land on his feet and get a shot to rebuild himself after he was DFA'd by Milwaukee. 
And I've got good news, but it's in a very, you made this wish on a monkey's paw, didn't you, sort of way. Lamette was claimed off waivers by a team that has room for him, but it's the Rockies. There's certainly plenty of opportunity, but not the best spot for a pitcher trying to show what he can do. The Rocks also lost Chad Cool to the 15-day IL. He has a right hip flexor strain. Poor guy probably wishes he'd gotten that strain before having to face the new look Padres, but so it goes. In other pen news, it appears Mark Melanson is out as the closer in Arizona as the team said they are moving to a committee Friday afternoon. And by Friday evening, Ian Kennedy had tossed a 1-2-3 inning with a strikeout for his sixth save. Seems like he would be the next best bet to hold the job. They did call it a committee, so you have to be patient. But if you need saves, I would speculate on Kennedy. Looking ahead, today the Giants still expect to get Brandon Crawford and Jock Pedersen back off the IL, while the Blue Jays are bringing up newly acquired Mitch White to start against the Twins. And the Mets will call up David Peterson to start game one of their doubleheader against Atlanta. On the field on Friday, Bet you didn't think I'd be telling you about a rowdy Tellez combo meal unless it came from McDonald's, but Tellez hit his 22nd home run and stole his first base of the year, going one for three with a run, two RBIs, and a walk. Tellez has been on the radar for what feels like forever, and he is now settling in to be a very solid power bat for the Brewers. I was a little surprised to see JT Real Muto on top of the catcher rankings on the Rasball Player Raider, but there he is. And he was three for four Friday, coming a double short of the cycle, driving into and scoring two. Big game for him, and it seems just about as good as you can get from the catcher position. Riley Green, two for four with a home run, a run, two RBIs for the Motor City Kitties on Friday. Talent starting to shine through for him. Ronald Acuna's bat hasn't been what we thought it would, but he was four for five Friday with his 23rd stolen base. Despite all those times on base, he had just one run scored and zero RBIs in a game that Atlanta scored nine. Eloy Jimenez hit his sixth home run on the year. I'll be honest, I just traded him away in a league where I needed pitching, and I don't miss him at all, but it is hard to bet against that talent. He just needs to stay healthy long enough to get comfortable and get that back going again. Vinny Pascantino has not set the world on fire yet, but he was three for five with a run on Friday and a couple of hard hit balls. If you can buy low on Vinny P, I would. The bat is legit. The job is his. The results will come. Boy, rough day at the plate for Aaron Judge as he did not hit a home run. He did, however, go two for four with a walk, two runs, and his 11th stolen base. Dude just always finds a way to make a difference. Other home runs around the game, Wilson Contreras hit his 16th, Reese Hoskins hit number 22. Nick Castellanos, who's been a bit better lately, is now up to double digits. Derek Hall at his 6th, Kyle Schwarber number 34. Ahmed Rosario starting to find a power stroke. He hit his 7th, Eddie Rosario hit his 3rd, Michael Harris his 10th, William Contreras his 14th as he tries to keep up with Big Brother. Jeff McNeil got his 6th, Salvador Perez his 16th, Matt Chapman hit number 21. He just won't stop. Santiago Espinal hit his seventh. Vlad Guerrero Jr. is at 23. Mark Contreras, who you may or may not know as the twin center fielder, hit his second. Nick Gordon got his fifth. Tyrone Taylor hit his 12th. Randall Grichuk had three hits, including his 11th home run. Dalton Varsho up to 15, and Max Stassi got his seventh. Very few stolen bases. Cedric Mullins got his 24th. Adley Rutschman, number two. Brian Reynolds, his fourth. Key Brian Hayes, his 12th. Bubba Thompson, who was just called up yesterday for Texas, got his first two stolen bases on the air. Christian Yelich stole his 16th, Josh Rojas his 13th, Geraldo Perdomo his 4th, and Charlie Blackman his 3rd. Lots of interesting pitching performances on Friday. Justin Steele has been sort of up and down at times this year, but he looked great Friday. It was a short outing, 4 and 2 thirds innings, but 10 strikeouts, 1 walk, 0 runs, 4 hits. 
Not efficient getting to 93 pitches that quickly, but he had 16 whiffs and significant increases in his velocity and spin rates. Really nice looking start for him. Steele was one of my streamer picks yesterday, along with his opponent, Edward Cabrera, who I already told you about. The third was Dean Kramer, who wasn't quite as good as those two, but still solid. Six and a third innings, getting a win and a quality start. Did not allow a run. Gave up four hits, but only had two strikeouts. He had just seven whiffs, and I still wouldn't trust him except in this type of matchup. But when he gets that type of matchup, you should use him. He's got the Jays next, though, so just stay away for now. Opposite him, Mitch Keller gave up a run on eight hits over six with a walk and just one strikeout. It wasn't pretty, and while he seems to be better lately, I still don't trust him and only use him in the right matchups. Kyle Gibson had no problem with the new Nats going eight innings, allowing a run on two hits with four Ks and a walk. The lesson here is not that Kyle Gibson should be used regularly. It's that you should target the Nats with almost any starting pitcher the rest of the way. With Hunter Green on the IL, Josiah Gray had an opportunity to take a commanding lead in the race to lead all pitchers and home runs allowed, and he capitalized, giving up four bombs to the Phillies. He finished with four innings pitch, six runs, five hits, three walks, four strikeouts. I still believe Josiah Gray is going to be a good MLB pitcher, but he is not there yet. Framber Valdez, not great, but did enough, giving up three runs on seven hits and three walks over six and a third with just three strikeouts. Not his best start, but he got a win and a quality start. Corey Kluber looked like he might get rocked in the early going, but bounced back to toss a quality start, allowing three runs on seven hits over six innings, all three coming in the first two. He did not issue a walk, and he struck out five. Again, this guy is not the Scion candidate he used to be, but he is a solid starting pitcher. Ian Anderson had been better lately, but Friday against a tough Mets team, he gave up four runs on seven hits and four and two-thirds. More concerning was that he had only three strikeouts and walked four. I really wanted to give him a pass in this matchup, and maybe if we'd been pitching better in the past, I would, but I just can't trust him right now. That said, he did outpitch his opponent as Taiwan Walker got lit up for four in the first and four more without getting an out in the second. I'm just letting this one go for him as an off night, but boy, was that ugly. Dylan Cease became the first pitcher since earned runs became a stat in 1913 to go 13 straight starts, giving up zero or one earned run. As he went six, allowing one run on two hits, three walks, and five strikeouts. He owes a debt of gratitude to his defense, though, as they have been bad enough to allow him to give up a bunch of runs that turned out unearned thanks to all their errors. That allowed him to keep the streak intact numerous times. Glenn Otto held the White Sox to two runs on four hits over six, striking out seven and walking one. But I think that says more about the Sox bats right now. They just aren't hitting than it does about Otto's arm. Making his first start for the Twins, finally out of Great American Ballpark, Tyler Molly gave up three home runs anyway. He finished with four runs on five hits, five strikeouts, and a walk over six. It was the Jays, so go easy on him. He would have even had a win if it weren't for the blown save by Lopez, as Jose Barrios gave up five runs on six hits and three and two-thirds. Barrios seemed to have righted the ship, but this was ugly. If you're a loyal listener, you remember that last week I commented on his decreasing reliance on his sinker and four-seamer. He'd been much better as he started to use those fastballs less than 50% of the time combined, but Friday he was back up to 57% between those two. Maybe he didn't have a feel for the other pitches, I don't know, but look to see if he can get that fixed again next time out. Eric Lauer held the Reds in check, but he had just four strikeouts and three walks in seven innings pitched, allowing a run on six hits. Not enough to really get me amped up or excited about him. A weird start for Nestor Cortez. He gave up two runs on one hit thanks to four walks versus just four strikeouts over five and a third innings pitched. Not what you expect from him, and it's not what I would expect going forward. Sean Manaya has seen his season take a disappointing turn, and it did not get better Friday. 
Gave up eight runs on 10 hits over four innings. It was to the Dodgers, and he did strike out seven. So, so maybe you want to go easy on him, but he's becoming almost unusable. Tony Gonsolin, meanwhile, has no fear of the new Super Padres, going five shutout, allowing three hits and a walk and striking out six. Kershaw is on the IL, but their ace is just fine. Robbie Ray was excellent, giving up a run and five hits over seven with 10 strikeouts and two walks. His 23 whiffs were the high on the night, and he had a nice big jump in velo to back that up. If that velo sticks, he is going to dominate down the stretch. Patrick Sandoval also had increased velocity, but the results sort of didn't follow. Just eight whiffs and a 24% CSW. He walked four over five and a third. On the other hand, he also had five strikeouts and gave up no runs on three hits. I just still need to see him pitch better to really trust him. Whiffs and the CSW weren't there. That many walks is concerning. He just sort of got away with it on Friday. In the bullpens, Joe Jimenez, who had been so good for the Tigers this year, gave up three runs on three walks and two hits in just a third of an inning Friday to blow a save and take a loss. That was in the seventh inning. That opened the door for Colin Poche to get a seventh save for the Rays. Newly acquired Rizal Iglesias slotted in nicely into the eighth for Atlanta, striking out two and allowing a hit. That got him his first hold of the year. Kenley Jansen came in for what was a four-run lead, non-save situation. He gave back the run that Atlanta got in the top of the ninth, but still locked down the win. Liam Hendricks got his 22nd save. The Jays handed Jordan Romano a loss. That seems like a weird thing to say, but he faced two hitters. The first reached on a dropped third strike with a throwing error, while the second reached on a fielder's choice that Matt Chapman buried in the dirt instead of making a good throw home. That allowed the ghost runner to score in the 10th. Good throw from Chapman or a good catch on the strikeout, and this is a totally different end of the game. I speculated yesterday that if a save opportunity came up for the Brewers, it might go to Taylor Rogers, given that Devin Williams had thrown two straight. The save situation came up. It did not go to Rogers. It did go to Williams. Trevor Gott turned a four-run lead into a save situation by walking two of the first three hitters in the ninth inning. Williams came on, struck out two in a row, got his seventh save. This job is his, period. That seems to just be the message to take from this. That said, he's now gone three in a row. So if a save situation comes up tonight, I suspect it will go to Taylor Rogers. Clay Holmes blew his fourth save on the year and his second pretty recently, I believe, as he gave up a couple runs in the ninth to the cards. Unless this becomes a more common habit, though, I'm not worried about it for him. Ryan Helsley came on after Holmes and was more successful as he locked down his 10th save of the year. Jesse Chavez got an audition for the Angels' newly vacated closer job and gave up three runs and three hits and a walk to blow a three-run lead. He got the win as the Angels broke the tie in the 10th. Jimmy Herget got the save after pitching the 10th. Maybe he'll get the next shot, too. It was his second save on the year. With that, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code 
podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well, from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back. Now I'm going to turn things over to Mark Paquette with the weather. Well, thank you very much. I'm starting to sound like a broken record here, but we're going to continue to see showers and thunderstorms plague the the mid-Atlantic region. So the gains I'm looking for trouble here are the Phillies, as they host the Nationals, correct, in the Orioles, as they host the Pirates. Much like it was yesterday and much like it was the day before, a front is stalled down here, and there's going to be showers and thunderstorms that pop up along it, and they threaten today's games, just like they did on yesterday. Anyways, I'll talk to you tomorrow, and hopefully that front will move a little bit and get out of that area. Have a good one. Thanks, Mark. As for Saturday's action, if you're looking for streamers, David Peterson may very well be available since he was sent down after his last appearance. And since he's going to be pitching, I would give him a shot. He's been very good when he's been on the hill. Drew Smiley getting to face the Marlins. He hasn't been great, but I sort of like that matchup for him. As for pitchers who you can target, Patrick Corbin gets the Phillies. And boy, I am very concerned about what they might do to him. Garrett Hill has really struggled, and I think the Rays could have a nice day against him. I would get my Rays in the lineup. And the Giants facing Adam Aller, who's really not been good. Another team, especially with Brandon Crawford and Jock Peterson coming back, they should be in position to have a pretty big day. As for what I will be watching on Saturday, a bunch of pitchers I'm really interested to take a look at. Max Fried versus Max Scherzer in Game 2 of that doubleheader should just be fun. Pablo Lopez has been a little bit rough lately. I would like to see him have a good start. The Angels and Mariners have a doubleheader, and we're getting both George Kirby and Reed Detmers, although not head-to-head. Curious to see if Ranger Suarez can continue pitching well. He's got the Nationals, so he should be able to. Shane McClanahan had one of his worst starts of the year last time out. We'll see if he bounces back against the Tigers. You're also getting Carlos Rodon. You're getting a matchup of Nick Lodolo and Aaron Ashby. And the night ends with the Padres and Dodgers, Mike Clevenger versus Andrew Haney. Just a ton of stuff to watch on Saturday. So find a nice, comfortable place to sit. Read through some great content over at Pitcher List. Enjoy the Saturday baseball, and we will be back with you tomorrow. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.